0: Welcome to Living For Him Podcast, where in every episode, you are invited to experience the joy of a life in Christ. I'm your host, CJ Cousins, and in today's episode, it is my prayer that the primary emphasis and goal of the following message is that you hear and respond to the good news about Jesus Christ and his kingdom. So whoever you are and wherever you are, thank you for joining us. I invite you to listen with an open heart. Subscribe for future episodes and stay tuned for some next steps after this message. Enjoy. We need a word from you. Uh, We need a rhema word, as it says in scripture. We need a word for right now in the time that we're living. And so I pray, God, that those that hear this word through your broken vessel will hear something that will change, transform, empower their lives. Let Jesus be seen and heard. In Jesus' name, let everyone say, amen. 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 I love theme parks. When I was in elementary school, when I was in middle school, and the teacher stood up in front of the class and she said, we're going to Disney World or Universal Studios, I was excited. Okay. Then there was a time when I was with my youth group, and I heard the announcement that we were going to Busch Gardens. And I was, I, I, I was beside myself with excitement, nearly lost it, right? Why? Because not only did I love theme parks, but I love theme parks with roller coasters. But then that same church did something. They announced again to, to CJ and the rest of us. They said, we're going to a new theme park in Orlando. Right. This theme park was the Holy Land experience in Orlando Florida. I don't know if any of you have been there or heard of it, but it's, it's really cool. It's like Disney. Only you have, instead of the, the mouse and so forth, you have Bible characters and all of your favorite Bible stories. And so the first thing, or the first person that I saw when I walked into the theme park was Matthew the tax collector sitting at a tax booth. Oh my God. Oh my God. And he begins to tell me about the life and the ministry of Jesus Christ and how he himself became a follower of Jesus Christ. So here's what I need you to do this morning. I need you to buckle your seatbelts because this same Matthew is going to take us on a roller coaster ride, spiritually speaking, from the 21st century to the 1st century and back. Is that all right? All right, so this was a time of, of deep, spiritual, social, political, and religious darkness. Does this sound familiar to anybody this morning? And it's at this time that a light begins to dawn on the horizon of human history. Jesus is baptized and he is is anointed by the Holy Spirit. Then he is led into the wilderness. And while he's there in the wilderness, he gains victory on our behalf over the devil's temptations. Can somebody say amen? And... He comes back from this time in the wilderness, in the anointing and in the power of the Holy Spirit, and he begins to establish his kingdom as the Messiah. Now he begins his work down in Judea. I hope I can move around a little bit. He begins his work down in Judea and begins it with the Jews. And as he's doing his ministry down there, his kingdom was being established in a way that most people did not expect. And it wasn't long after he started his work in Judea that his cousin, John the Baptist, the one who had baptized him, got put in prison. And so Jesus, recognizing that the situation there in Judea was becoming more hostile, he begins to move from Judea, he goes up north, into the region of Galilee. Now, if you understand this, this, this time and this place in Galilee, it was full of Gentiles, that's non-Jews. And it's a place that was described as a place full of darkness. Right. People sitting in darkness, the Bible says. This also happens to be the place that Jesus grew up. As a matter of fact, the first place that Jesus goes, according to the text, is his hometown in Nazareth. And it's here that Matthew, as he paints the picture for us this morning, a light begins to dawn. Because today, Matthew wants you to understand that Jesus invites you, he invites me, he invites us into three urgent ways that he needs the kingdom to dawn in your life today. I want to invite you to begin with me in the story in Matthew chapter four, beginning in verse 13. You pick up the story in verse 13. And the Bible says, And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is by the sea, in the regions of Zebulon and Naphtali, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The land of Zebulon, the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness. The people who sat in what? In darkness have seen a great light and upon those who sat in the region and the shadow of death light has dawned light has dawned from that time Jesus began to preach and to say repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus spends some time there in Nazareth, probably hanging out with some of his old friends from his old neighborhood. And as he finishes catching up with friends and family, he moves from there and he goes to Capernaum. Now, Capernaum is is north in Galilee on the Sea of Galilee. It's it's kind of right there on the beach. It's It's a fishing village. And this is where Jesus sets up camp. This is where Jesus decides to make the headquarters, the the kind of the base of his ministry. And it's here that he moves among and lives among and serves and ministers to the Gentiles. The light was beginning to dawn. You see, the kind of light that it's talking about is the light of God's character of love. You see, because the kind of darkness that the people were in was a darkness, the source of this darkness, was a misapprehension of the character of God. And so Jesus begins to break the light on the scene of human history in this place of darkness. And here's what Jesus needs you to know today. The kingdom begins to dawn in your life when people can see and hear the light. I remember when we were in Maryland in Laurel, that's where we moved from, and some of us from our our church, our previous church, some of them are here this morning, I want to thank them for being here. Um, We had grow groups like you guys have here, small groups, and we gathered every week in Laurel in a home. But as we were gathering, we felt that the Holy Spirit was beginning to Im- impress upon us, to move upon us, to start meeting in a public place. And so we went over to the Laurel Town Center, not too far from where we were. We met every Thursday night in the Panera Bread in that, in that Laurel Town Center. And while we're there, we're, we're fellowshipping, we're eating, we're laughing, we're, we're, we're talking about scripture. And, and we begin to notice as we're having this experience, people are watching us. They begin to see some things. They begin to hear some things. One time, a a, a cop came to our table and wanted to publicly, in front of everybody, affirm us for what he was seeing and hearing. Then the next time, one of the employees came to me privately and said, you know, um, every time I come here on Thursdays, I'm really glad you're here because I like to eavesdrop and kind of listen in (laughs) on some of your conversation. And then one night... A young lady came and she witnessed that we were about to pray to close and that we were gonna kind of fellowship and leave and she walks up to the table after we pray and she says is this like a club do you got to be like a member how do I and she joined the group she's still a part of the group today why because she saw and she heard the light in us All right. Amen. you see now, Matthew is paying the picture here that Jesus fulfills the messianic prophecy of Isaiah. That, that Jesus is the light that was to break out uh, among the Gentiles there in Galilee. But here's what's interesting about that. Jesus didn't just begin to dawn the light on that region at the beginning or the dawn of his public ministry. Yes, Jesus preached for three and a half years. But the light had begun to dawn for 30 years. Jesus had lived and was raised up in Galilee and lived among them for 30 years. They saw the light in how he lived. Amen. And so that's very instructive for us that Jesus spent the majority of his time on this earth living the gospel before he ever preached it. All right. All right. You see. What what, what that's telling us is, what that's telling us is, is that Jesus puts puts importance on living and revealing the light. So that when he now begins to speak, it comes with authority. It comes with power because they've, they've seen it. So now they're hearing it. You see, the Gentiles didn't just need to see the light. They needed to hear it. Jesus picks up the, the same message that had been preached by in the previous chapter, Matthew 3, by his cousin John the Baptist. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. But Jesus, really interesting in Matthew, excuse me, in Mark chapter 1, verse 15, Mark kind of gives us uh, some insight into a new element that Jesus brought into that message. He adds to that message the time is fulfilled. Believe the gospel. What is Jesus saying? See, he's announcing what time was fulfilled. Well, those of us Bible students from our faith community will understand. He's echoing, he's speaking of the fulfillment of Daniel chapter 9. See, the 70-week prophecy, the 69th week, the clock had just struck. 27, uh, excuse me, let me get my math here correct. Yes, 27 AD. The time is fulfilled in my life, in my ministry and ultimately in my subsequent death on the cross. The kingdom of God is here in me. The reign of God, the heavenly reign of God, has now come present among us in Christ. The light has dawned. I love what John Ortberg says, commenting on this This dawning of a movement that was taking place in the life and ministry of Jesus. See, when people heard this gospel message of the kingdom, they were to repent, that is to turn, right? They were to submit themselves to this victorious, good, loving king and join his movement. And as they began to do this, they began to to experience what Jesus called, and this was the substance of his teachings and his parables, the kingdom of God. Listen to what John Ortberg says in his book. Who is this man? He says this. A revolution was starting. A slow, quiet movement that began at the bottom of society and would undermine the pretensions of the Herods. That's King Herod. You see, you gotta understand that Jesus was launching a movement. He was announcing a kingdom in Herod's kingdom, in Rome's empire. This was provocative. This was penetrating. Now the light could be heard. You see, God needs the light of the love of God to be manifested in your life. It needs to be seen. And it needs to be heard. And this can only come about by a daily relationship with Jesus Christ. Through prayer, through the Word of God, through the indwelling Holy Spirit. You're seeking the the indwelling Holy Spirit so that the light of God can be illuminated in your life. As you do this, the Spirit of God begins to bring people into your relationship that are beginning to respond to the Jesus in you. You see, because some people kind of go, well, yeah, they just need to, they just need to see my life. Or I'm just going to live the life. That's what we often say. You see, but no, not if you're a follower of Jesus. You see, you can't just live the life. If you're following Jesus, you both have to reveal it in how you live, but you also have to say it. You have to say something. He gives you those opportunities. And so what happens when those people begin to respond? Jesus shows us how. In verse 18, Jesus says, he says, uh, the Bible says, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two what? Two brothers. Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, follow me and I will make you what? Fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. He called them, and immediately they left their what? Their boat and their father and followed him. Jesus decides to go for a walk on the beach, on his beachfront home of Capernaum. You see, Jesus is doing something very intentional here. What Jesus is doing is he's going to a place that's full of fishermen, right? This is a fishing village. So he knows if he goes on the beach, he's bound to find some what? Some fishermen who are going to become his first disciples that he will now officially call. You see, they had already seen and they had already heard the ministry of Jesus. And now Jesus simply wants to give them an opportunity to respond. And that's what he needs to show up in your life. You see, the kingdom has already begun to dawn in your life when you begin to disciple those who are responding to the light. Again, in our grow group in Maryland, in Laurel, there was a young lady in our grow group who tutored. And she was a math tutor. Praise God, because that's not my strongest subject. But she was a math tutor, and she began to do some sessions with the young lady that she encountered. And this young lady began to do tutoring with her to pass her GED, the math portion of her GED. And as she's doing these tutoring sessions, she begins to notice that this young lady is going through a very dark moment in her life. And she puts the tutoring aside. And she says, you know what's going on? And she, the girl begins to open up. Her name was Mandy. She begins to share with her. Uh, that she's going through just a really dark, difficult time. And so she says, you know what, i are going to put this aside. She begins to encourage her. She begins to pray with her, pray for her. And now that the light, see, Mandy was not a very religious person. But now that the light was beginning to dawn, she begins to start asking questions about Jesus and about the Bible. And so therefore, because she's now responding to the light of God's love, this young lady from our girl group that tutors, she begins to now begin to take her under her wing. She begins to become like a spiritual mentor to her. She begins to come alongside her in life. And very naturally, it was easy for her to just invite her to be a part of our grow group. And so then our group now becomes a spiritual family for this young lady that's not very religious. And she can begin now to start to learn what it looks like in real time with other followers of Jesus that are also growing what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. You see, this is what Jesus had in mind as he's walking on the beach. Jesus, as he's walking on the beach, he's trying to illustrate for us three things, I suggest, that we need to understand if we're going to replicate disciples for Jesus Christ. Number one, Jesus approached, he approached people that were in his neighborhood. See, he was living in Capernaum. They were fishermen from Capernaum. And so he approaches people where he actually lives. This is how the kingdom's starting to dawn. Secondly, he approaches family. James and John were brothers, right? Peter and Andrew were brothers. They worked together. They knew each other. So by by default, family and friends. Jesus also does a third thing. He approaches them in their workspace, in their work environment. You see, why is Jesus doing that? Well, he's meeting them where they are. And what they do becomes an illustration of what he's going to disciple them into. Fishers of people. This is where they spent the most of their time. And Jesus just so happens to be there. These are the spaces, family, neighborhood, right? Your work or school. These are the spaces that Jesus wants, desires to enter into. To dawn the kingdom. Now this was a time where there was a lot of rabbis that had followers. And during this time, it wasn't uncommon to have some followers following you as a rabbi, but here's what's interesting. Followers, typically, those that followed a rabbi, typically were the most educated. Those that had been in school, right? And they would seek out a rabbi. They would find a rabbi that they admired and they would look at that rabbi and they would say, yeah, I think I, think I want to be like him. And so they would approach the rabbi and they would say, hey, you know what? I graduated from Andrews and I'm really good with the Bible. I'm really knowledgeable in scripture. Can I follow you? But watch Jesus. Jesus goes to the uneducated, the unlearned. And he comes to them and he says, follow me. That's why he says, haven't I chosen? you didn't choose me, I chose you. you." His, his whole way of doing the rabbi-follower thing was completely different. You see, they were not just following a rabbi in the first century just to get information. Oh, I wish I had time to preach on that. They were seeking, not just the information, they were seeking intently to be like the rabbi. Right. The teachings that they were learning was so they could be like the one that they were following and imitating. They wanted to be like the rabbi. They'd watch how he talked and what he did, how he served. They wanted to be like the rabbi Jesus. I believe today in Vienna, Jesus is calling for some people to be followers of Jesus. Referring to these disciples that Jesus called, I love what Auntie Ellen, and that's what I call her, Auntie Ellen, says about these that he called. She says this, Desire of Ages 249. She says, They were humble and unlearned men, those fishers of Galilee, but Christ, the light of the world, was abundantly able to qualify them for the position for which he had chosen them. What a beautiful picture of the love of God seeking and pursuing those that he wants to follow him. Anybody that will respond to the light. What would happen if you began to seek God? God, give me three people that I can become a spiritual mentor to, that I can come alongside in life and show and replicate, demonstrate what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ in the context of our community of faith. You see, Jesus had a group of 12 people that he did life with. But within the 12, he had three. Peter, James, and John from Capernaum. And he specifically poured a lot of his time into them. What would happen if you sought God for three people that you could disciple? This is what Paul was talking about, 1 Corinthians 11, 1. Imitate me, follow me as I follow Christ. In other words, I want to replicate for you what it looks like to have a, to have a relationship with Jesus. So you're following me, but you're following me so that you can follow Christ. What would happen if you had three people that you also taught to identify three people? How many people would you have, mathematicians? You'd have 12 people. You're pouring into three, they're pouring into three, so you have 12. Now what, what happens when that group begins to multiply? And they keep being taught to disciple 12. Well, it sounds like you'd have a movement. What's the impact of this movement? Let's, let's, let's close here in Matthew chapter 4, beginning in verse 23. The impact of this movement. Verse 23, and Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching, in the, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness. Ava, I heard about, uh, I believe it's your father. Healing. Jesus is a healer. All kinds of sickness and disease among the people then Jesus' fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, those who were demon-possessed epileptics and paralytics, and he and He and he healed them. Great multitudes followed him. Thank you From Galilee, from Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. So here's what Jesus did. Here's what Jesus did as we close. Jesus took those people that he was discipling, he brought them along with him, and he continued to preach and to teach in a circuit all around Galilee, in their synagogues, in their places of worship and gathering. He continued to preach and to teach the kingdom. But, but, but please pay attention. Jesus did not spend the majority of his time preaching and teaching, giving information. Jesus spent the majority of his time making people whole, restoring lives, meeting needs. And he took the disciples along with him so they could watch him do it. This is what Jesus spent the majority of his time doing. Why? Because Jesus needs you to understand today that if you are going to see the dawning of the kingdom in your life, you need to take those that are responding to the light, those that you're discipling, and you need to become, like Jesus, a healing influence in the community. This is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. This is what he did. This is how he spent the most of his time healing, restoring broken people in the broken places in society. This was the passion of Jesus. I experienced the healing impact of the kingdom in the community recently at a young adult conference called Inspire by Potomac Conference. And I remember we were in Silver Spring and we were doing what was one of the main features of this conference was the service projects in the community. There were several options of ways to serve people in the community, but there was one that began to arose among some of us young adults that came out of a concern of the hurt that people were experiencing in society based on the the, the, uh, the narrative of fear and divisiveness that was going on in the country and so they decided, no, you know, people are hurting, people are in need of hope. And so they said, let's start, let's start an initiative they called Hope Viral. And they said, why don't we why don't we get some free food? Give out free food right there on this busy intersection. There's a movie theater, there's a skating ring right there in downtown Silver Spring. Why don't we, why don't we get some free food? Give out free, just, just give free hugs to people, affirming their humanity. And why don't, we, why don't we offer prayer for them? And then why don't we have two boxes at, at the station where we have the food? One box where they could write their fears for the future and one box where they could write their hopes for the future. I was overwhelmed when I saw the impact that this had on that community. It was, it was, I don't know what it was about that day. Maybe they heard that Pastor Gary was coming to preach, but it was just packed. It was just crowded with people. And so people were there and the young adults, it was beautiful to see these passionate young adults there uh, holding up free hug signs and giving food and having conversation with people. And here's what I began to witness and see. Some people came, And they hugged us, right? Free hugs. Some of those people, as they're hugging us, began to cry and to weep. Some of those people uh, began to just share openly what their fears and concerns were. Some of them wrote it down, but some of them just started to talk about it. But nothing moved me more, family, than what, this is what touched me the most. Some of them began, they were so moved, they began to take up our free hug signs. Lift it up in front of all those people and say, free hugs. Yeah. Hope. One lady was so moved. One guy took down his cigarette, put it down, picked up a free hug sign. One lady was so moved, she ran across the street and gave somebody a hug in the car that was waiting at the, at the stoplight. Right? Yeah. I was so touched by this, I sent Deidre a text. I said, Deidre, Jesus was manifest to the public today. See, this is what Jesus came to do. He came to heal people, to meet needs. He came to make people well, spiritually, mentally, physically, socially. I, I'm, I'm becoming surprised at how social Jesus really was in his ministry, just, just, just spending time, hanging out with people. didn't necessarily follow their lifestyle, but he spent time in their lives. I love what, from the book Creation Health, I love what uh, Des Cummings and Monica Reed says in their book, Creation Health. Wellness, speaking of the kind of wellness that Jesus brought, wellness is more than health or absence of disease. Please hear me, family. Wellness is being mentally fit, physically robust, spiritually vital, and socially comfortable. This is what Jesus brought to the people sitting in darkness. Now, do you think that there's some people in this community that can, that can use that kind of healing influence? Do you think that there are people right now in this world that would love, that would be moved, that would pick up their free hug sign with this type of healing influence in the world? Could it be that people are waiting to see the dawn of a movement? I want to tell you that this is what Jesus has As I I wrap up, this is what Jesus called us to. This is what gets me up in the morning. This is what moves my heart. And this is what I believe I have the privilege of sharing with you. Is to be like the rabbi. You see, over 2,000 years ago, what Jesus started, the kingdom that he started, was a disciple-making Movement that brings healing to the world. When he says the kingdom of heaven is at hand, the reign of God, he's speaking of a disciple-making movement to bring healing to the world. That's who we are. Thank you for listening to Living for Him podcast. I pray that you were blessed by this message and that you experienced the good news of the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ. I'd like to personally invite you to respond to this good news and take the next steps in following Jesus by clicking the prompt in the description. I've also created a resource to help you experience the joy of a close relationship with Jesus called the Life in Christ Daily Devotional Journal. If you'd like to experience Jesus daily, watch the good news of his story unfold throughout scripture, and do this as a weekly small group gathering, then get your copy today in print or ebook by clicking the link in the description. Living for Him exists to tell the story of Jesus for the equipping of healthy disciple makers who extend his reign of love. If you'd like to support the further development of this exciting ministry, then I encourage you to become a monthly supporter by also clicking the link in the description. Your support is greatly appreciated. You're also invited to like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Subscribe to this podcast and subscribe to our e-newsletter by visiting our website at livingforhim.tv. Lastly, we kindly ask that you write us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other podcast platform you're listening to us on, and share this podcast with your friends. I look forward to meeting you here again in our next episode, where our desire is that you experience the joy of life in Christ. Once again, I'm CJ Cousins, and I'm living for him.